0: My Lord, my God, I firmly believe that You are here, that You see me, and that You hear me. I adore You with profound reverence. I ask Your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. I rejoice heartily in the Lord. And my God is the joy of my soul, for he has clothed me with a robe of salvation and wrapped me in a mantle of justice, like a bride adorned with her jewels. Lord, we, with the church, turn our eyes to Our Lady and to this great victory that you've won over sin in her. She's clothed with a robe of salvation, wrapped in a mantle of justice, which is goodness, righteousness. And today's gospel, sometimes it's surprising um, these great events in the history of salvation, well, there's no explicit scripture passage about it. And so we get the same old, in a certain sense, right the same old passages. And this one is an appropriate one. It's the Annunciation. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And today's feast, Lord, in which we commemorate the Immaculate Conception of your Mother of our Mother Mary, really is contained in this greeting. This greeting is, in a certain sense, pregnant with the mystery of Our Lady's sinlessness. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Our Lady is conceived without sin. Because she's full of grace, she remains sinless because she keeps accepting that grace and doesn't reject it or refuse it or betray it. The Lord is with you and the Lord is the holy one. The Lord is the sinless one. If the Lord is with her, well then, sin is not with her. She's so full of grace that there's no sin at all. And this helps us, Lord, to reflect on grace in our own life. The favor of God, the gift of God. Overcomes sin in us. Reconciles us, Lord, with you and then heals us. And this event, the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady, is really a singular event in in the history of humanity, in the, in the history of the universe. From the point of original sin, that first rejection of God's friendship, of God's sovereignty by Adam and Eve, sin became like an inexorable law, almost like a natural law, like gravity. such that from that point on, right, if you, if you have a human being, well, it's going to fall, and it's already fallen. Like the law of gravity, right? Every time you drop a rock, well, it's going to go down. And imagine if you took a rock and held it over a pond and dropped it, and then all of a sudden it just started hovering. It right, just started floating in the middle of the air above the water and then started flying. What a tremendous sight. What a stupendous event. A rock that goes up instead of down. And this is Our Lady, and this is also us Insofar as we respond to grace, insofar as we have the Lord with us, insofar as we commit ourselves to holiness. In the, in the letter to the Romans, St. Paul has this tremendous passage where he marvels at God's plan, salvation, For God has consigned all men to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. O the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Or who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so sometimes, Lord, in our prayer, we look at sin and we look at the effects of sin. We look at the damage that original sin and that personal sins have done to the world and have done to us and have done to society and have done to families and children and the innocent. And we're tested. This is, in a certain sense, this is the strongest argument of the atheist is the presence of evil and suffering in the world. And that question rises in our heart. Well, Lord, if you're all powerful, why? How? Why isn't it the case that God just uses his power to keep us from sin or keep us from this suffering? And the answer of our faith is that God's mercy more than makes up for it. For God has consigned all men to disobedience, or to sin, everyone. That he may have mercy upon all. O the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. All men, All women consigned to disobedience to sin and the effects of sin. And then there's this exception. There's this harbinger of this jailbreak from sin, which is our mother Mary. There's this great exception to the law of sin. The morning star, the first light in this total darkness, the first point in which the tide of sin starts to recede. And so we look to her with a great hope, and we open our heart to the lessons, full of grace, the Lord is with you. The remedy, the recipe, the way to overcome sin is always the same. Full of grace, the Lord is with you. To go to the sources of grace that we have right prayer the sacraments. Letting God shape our freedom, guide our freedom with his grace. And then making it personal, right? The Lord is with me. Well, if the Lord is with me and I'm living in the presence of God, how much easier it is to fight against sin, to uncover sin, to be courageous against sin. The Lord is with me. In a way, sin is like a natural law that everyone's consigned to it. We shouldn't be surprised when we see it. But in a way, it's an anti-natural law. To the extent that we're sinners, we're less human. We're not more human. And we have to be careful here because obviously we're patient with people and with ourselves insofar as we're sinners. But there's a kind of fine line and it enters into art, the way we think and the way we talk. Where we might see someone and see their sinfulness and we say, well, he's human. Or even, it makes him human. Or, yeah, he's got that problem, but ah, it makes him human. At least I can relate to, him. <laughs> at least I can relate to him or her. That's understandable, but there's something not quite right there. That if we're not careful, we can, we can even see the sinfulness or the effects of sin as something positive. Or something essential to being human. Almost as if sinning were something good. Misery loves company. And Our Lady and Our Lord and the saints Teach us that humanity is meant to exist without sin. To be holy. To, to overcome sin. To let grace help us overcome sin. Is to be more human, right? Not less. Our ladies is a reversion to the natural, to the norm. And so we look, Lord, when I approach the sources of grace, my prayer, confession, communion, the Mass, my choices, are right, guided by God's will, guided by God's judgment. Am I open? Am I fully open to receive all the grace that there is? And am I kind of bent on, on rooting out sin, right? letting that grace in as far as possible? The more grace filled we are, Lord, the more we fight against our sinfulness, the more human we become, the better our personality will turn out. The less we compromise with sin, the better. And we see this by looking at Mary. Mary's without sin. Looking at Jesus. Jesus is without sin. True man. And so, yes, we love the sinner and hate the sin, but sometimes we only say that, right? We don't really, (laughs) we don't really hate the sin. Saint Jose Maria writes, Help me repeat in the ear of this person and of that other and and of everyone. A sinner who has faith, even if he were to obtain all the blessings of this earth, will necessarily be unhappy and wretched. It is true that the motive that leads us and should lead everyone to hate sin, even venial sin, ought to be a supernatural one. That God abhors sin from the depths of his infiniteness, with the supreme, eternal, and necessary hatred, as an evil opposed to the infinite good. But the first reason I mentioned to you can lead us to this other one. Saint Josemaria here lays out two reasons to, to hate sin. And the first one, is that it's going to make us unhappy. It's fool's gold. It doesn't work. And the second one is the deeper one, is it's opposition, Lord, to you. Your hatred of it. God abhors sin from the depths of his infiniteness with the supreme, eternal, and necessary hatred. Because God is a great lover, because he is love, he's also a fantastic hater. He absolutely hates sin. There's a great line in the Psalms. Do I not hate them that hate thee, O Lord? And do I not loathe them that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I can't them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the attitude we should have towards our sins. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. And then we go to grace, Lord. We, (laughs) Our sins are so close to us. It's so easy to make that mistake, to say, ah, it's no big deal, it's just part of my personality, it makes me human, blah, blah, blah. When we go to grace, the piercing light of God's grace, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, And know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Help us to see, too, that just as your vocation, the moment in which you receive God's will for you, is tied up with the overcoming of sin, with the revelation that you've overcome sin. The first thing Gabriel says to her before telling her what her vocation is, what her mission is, he tells her, God has freed you from sin, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. That positive side, Lord, of my life, the meaning of my life, my mission, to serve you, to help others, to be happy in virtue, in my relationship with you. Always has that flip side. I have to root out the enemies. I have to root out what's holding me back. In the 1990s, there was a great rivalry in the NBA, basketball. The Miami Heat were the arch enemies of the New York Knicks. And I was a huge Knicks fan back then. I still am a Knicks fan it's kind of a curse <laughs> and uh and there was this great point guard for the um for the Heat he was a guy named Tim Hardaway and he was asked by a reporter one time during these years of this rivalry and the guy said to him do you actually hate the Knicks do you hate them and he said i hate the Knicks with all the hate you can hate with can you hate more than that? If you can, then I hate them even more than that. I always <laughs> oh, so that's a nice way of thinking about it. our sinfulness. Right? We can't, we can't, um, treat it with kid gloves, right? We have to face it and fight against it. And above all, Lord, turn to you for grace and turn to our lady for grace. Our lady's this first victory. Right. A light shining in a dark place against sin. And so she's this great ally. If we're tempted, if we tempted in, in some sensuality or if we have a root of lack of charity, lack of patience in our heart, we call out to our lady, our lady can see without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. And the amazing thing is that we too are called to be sinless, right? Not just to be saved and brought to heaven as some sort of reward that the merits of Christ kind of wins for us. But but in that process of getting to heaven, totally transformed, totally purified. St. Paul reveals this in the first reading. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, to be holy and without blemish before him. In love he destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ in accord with the favor of his will, for the praise of the glory of his grace that he granted us in the Beloved were chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before him. So to be called to heaven is to be called to sinlessness, to an absolute purity. And we know, Lord, in this world, we're always going to be working on that. not perfected here. But it's good for us to have that goal in mind because it because it sets the tone for our spiritual life for our struggle to let grace in lord more fully to keep you with me more constantly to let you have your way more regularly and to have this great hope that this is what God, this is God's will for us God wants to overcome sin in my heart, God wants to overcome sin in my life and in the lives of others that I'm, that I'm trying to help, that we guide in different ways to be holy and without blemish before Him. And so the exception of Our Lady, that rock that doesn't drop, starts to fly around is going to become the rule. And this is, um, This is salvation, right? This is God's plan. This is why this is why it's not the case that evil somehow tells us that God is not powerful or not good. He consigned all men to sin so that he may have mercy on all. And in that mercy, he's going to perfect all of those who are open to forgiveness and open to his grace. And so though we see sinfulness in the world, sinfulness in our heart. Sinfulness in our house. We can't be, we can't be dismayed, right? We can't be overwhelmed. We can't be afraid because we look up into, into heaven. We look at our lady and we say, no, God is going to fix this and God is fixing it. And God wants me to fix it with his help. Hail Mary, full of grace, filled with grace. The three theological virtues, at least in the English tradition, are also called the heavenly graces. Right? The three graces. Faith, hope, and charity. And the great thing about these is that they is that they can all be infinite because they have God as their object. Right? I can have and infinite faith, I can always grow in faith. I can always believe more in the reality of God. I can always learn more about God. And hope, too, is infinite, Lord, because it's based on your love for us, on your providence, and your care for us, which is infinite, which touches every moment and every person. Which means that I can always have more hope. I can always trust God more. I can always trust in the future more. I can always trust in what he wants to do and what he's trying to do. And God is charity, right? God is love. And so charity, too, is infinite. And when we love, he loves through us. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God with the Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts. And so many times, Lord, I frame my my spiritual life just based on my vision and my willpower and my mood and my emotions and my possibilities. But without you, what I think I can do, what I think I should do, what I think I'm capable of, then I miss, I forget the point of the of the theological virtues that. They're theological, right? They have God as their object and God as their source and God is infinite. And so I put like a a fake cap, a fake budget on my holiness depending on my own resources and my own vision. It's like if I had a billionaire funder and then I make like a $100,000 budget and the, and the billionaire funder, you know, has billions at disposal, at his disposal. But for me, right? It's at my disposal now. I said, no, I think I can only use, you know, $50,000. Like a team with a salary cap. And instead of maxing out the cap, right? Going to that rich owner for more money to buy better players and to make the team better. For some reason, they stay way, way, under the cap. They say, well, we'll just get by with whatever. Well, for our holiness, right? For our life of faith, hope, and charity, we've got this billionaire owner, this billionaire funder. And sometimes, Lord, cause I'm only looking at myself, I go and I say, I ah, just give me, you know, a couple thousand, <laughs> a couple thousand dollars. St. John of the Cross says that God gives to us in accord with our hope, right? God gives to us with, in the measure of what we ask for, what we expect to receive. Full of grace. And we too called, pulled to be holy and without blemish before him. So we go to Our Lady on this wonderful feast, the end of the year St. Joseph in the church. And in a way, St. Joseph's a great model for us in this, that he had original sin, right, and, and he was a sinner. And yet, he was along for the ride with these incredible sinless figures, Mary and Jesus. And he let them influence, right, his actions and how he reacted to his mistakes and his vision. And we too, like him, well, we're along for the ride, but we have our lady in our life and we have our Lord in our life. So we have all the recourses to fight against our sinfulness, to uncover our sinfulness with courage and then to encourage others. Yeah, you're a sinner, but... Come on, right? We can, we can do better. Admit it. Be forgiven. Fight against it. And then let God into your life full of grace. Our Lady, our Mother, full of grace. Help us to keep returning and turning to the source of grace in our life. Confession, communion, prayer, doing God's will. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.